0: Today, on It's Time. But we also then need to be able to present our case to the world and make proper defense of it. I hear the calling, it's time, it's time,
1: it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler.
0: God's faithful, even though we're not. And all the way through the Bible, you see the faithfulness of God. You see the faithfulness of God to the nation of Israel. Not that Israel ever really followed God really much at all, in the entirety of their history. They started off with Abraham, and Abraham, God said of you, "I'm going to make a great nation." We remember uh, greats like Moses and David, those people that brought reformation and encouragement and faith to the nation of Israel. But soon as they were gone, not long after, they were back to their idol worship, worshiping calves and other kinds of gods from the nations around them. And yet we find God still faithful to the nation of Israel. Now, why is that? I believe it simply tells us a couple things. First of all, God's faithfulness to his promises. Second of all, we find that God is faithful when we're not. That's important as well. However... It puts a hurting on you for sure. Well, Paul has been arrested as we're looking through the scripture here for being a Christian, sharing his faith. Groups of people didn't like that. In particular, the Jews that were there at Jerusalem, when he was sharing his faith, they got upset. They brought false accusations, caused a riot within the temple. He was arrested, and then eventually he was incarcerated for two years And in that two-year period of time, he had some freedoms, but it also provided him protection from the Jews that wanted to kill him. So even though it might look like a bad thing, being under custody of the Roman government two years, it also kept the Jews from killing him. Well, now there was a change. We remember it started off with Felix, who was the governor of the area. Then it changed to Festus. And Festus was a good guy, but he still wanted to please the Jews because he was in their territory, he was in their uh, dominion, and so he, he really wanted to do them a favor. Well, they decided to bring Paul into the forum and have him speak, and they were saying hopefully he'll say something that we can genuinely accuse him of, because thus far we don't really have any charges to lay on him because he's really not, not done anything worthy of death. Now this is a problem because Paul knew that they were going to try to have the trial back in Jerusalem. And Paul knew when he was moved from Jerusalem, the Bible tells us they had laid, they made an oath, these group of Judaizers said, we're we're not going to eat or drink till we've killed Paul. Well, when Paul heard two years later that they were going to move him back to Jerusalem for the trial, Paul says, I appeal to Caesar. I'm not going there. Because he knew that he would not get a fair trial in Jerusalem if he even made it to Jerusalem at all. So because of this, then we know Agrippa came down. They got together. They had this little... For him, you might say, Paul spoke and laid a witness on them to convince them to be Christians. And in fact, we have it recorded for us here. Verse 27, just a little bit of review in, in chapter 26, then we'll get to 27. He says, verse 27, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Well, I know you believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Almost. Boy, you know, there's always something that sometimes holds a person up from believing in Christ. You know, that's one of the reasons why I I really feel blessed by God to allow me to do to every man an answer. Because sometimes it might be just a question that's answered that will cause a person to accept Christ as Savior. Sometimes people say, you know, I believe in God, but I just can't get over the evolution thing. Or I believe in God, but I, in Christ, but I just can't get over Him coming back to life. Or I can't just believe in God because of some other reason. Well, if we can address those reasons, at least that's one less reason that they'll have to reject Christ. And so I believe that really for all of us that are Christians, we all have an obligation to not only make a good defense for our faith personally, but we also then need to be able to present our case and who Christ is to the world and make proper defense of it. That's why I believe every Christian should be studying and knowing the Word of God. If you realized how important it was, thank God you guys are here, but I think everybody needs to be here. Oh, but we know where the next Britney Spears concert's going to be. Well, I guarantee you in eternity, that probably is not going to help you much. But knowing the Word of God and knowing how to make a defense for your faith that's going to make a difference. And the things of this world sometimes that so attract our attention away from things of God, I believe eventually in heaven, I believe we will remorse over that. In fact, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 20 that God wipes away every tear from their eyes. People will say, well, I thought there wasn't any sorrow in heaven. Well, the Bible says Jesus wipes away every tear from their eye. What are people crying about in heaven? I believe it's because we realized how foolish oftentimes we spent our life here on this planet that really didn't matter. That we could have been spending it for something that would have eventually done something for others and ultimately for the kingdom of God. But instead we get so sidetracked. And I'm no different than you. I, I go through it too and I must always bring my alignments back to the purposes of God. Otherwise I'll be out wandering around, not in left field. I'll be out in the parking lot or on the freeway someplace. Why is that? We need to be reminded. Isn't it interesting? The Bible says that it's a daily walk with Christ. We die daily with Christ. Give us this day our daily bread. Why do you think that's in there? It's because we forget. <laughs> God would come and walk with Adam in the cool of the evening. It was a daily thing. God just enjoyed you. <laughs> and when we're not there with him, well, then we start following the voices around us the voices inside our head the voices that pull us away from God so you almost persuade me to be a Christian he said wow Paul said I would to God that not only you but also all that hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am except for these chains I think Paul was being a little humorous here in his teaching He says, I wish you were just like me, except for the chains that I'm in. And when he had said these things, the king stood up, as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. And when they got aside, they talked among themselves, saying, this man has done nothing worthy of death or chains. Here he was declared innocent by them. They knew he was innocent. In fact, actually, they knew he'd been innocent all along. But because of popular opinion and different things like that, they wouldn't they didn't release him. And verse 32 says, Then Agrippa said to Festus, this man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. And once you appealed to Caesar, good, bad, or indifferent, you had to go talk to Caesar. That's just the way it worked. There was no time for reconsideration. And so Agrippa said, This man might have gone free. I don't really understand verse before it and then the verse after it let's look at it again the verse before it and they got on the aside they said this man is unworthy of death or chains that would say he's innocent then agrippa said this man might not have this man might have been set free if he had not appealed to caesar i don't understand the word might here might have been set free if he'd not appealed to caesar What's troubling about this is by the very nature of this verse seems to indicate that Paul was a political pawn, that they were using him in some way for their own advancement because the verse before it would have said he would have gone free. The next verse says he might have gone free. Do you catch that? And when you see things that don't make sense, There's something underlying that is something that we don't understand. It's why sometimes in your company and somebody comes through and lets you go, but everybody else stays and you are one of the hardest workers of all of them. And you go, this doesn't make sense. Well, it's because probably you want to party hardy with the rest. Or maybe you are. That person that represented light in a very dark place. Maybe you were the one that represented conscience in the company and they didn't like that. So sometimes when we don't understand why uh, things are happening the way they do, why the mites of life are there, it's usually because there's something else going on. Well, verse 20, uh, chapter 27, verse 1, it says, And it was decided that we should sail to Italy they delivered Paul and some other prisoners, one named Julius, a, stu, uh, a centurion of the Augustan Regiment. We don't know a lot about the Augustan Regiment. There were several different groups at that time using that name, but probably they were kind of an elitist group, probably, kind of, uh, you might say, the, uh, you know, the eighteen. <laughs> they were the ones that were used to transporting prisoners now if you like to underline things in your bible and we we've been kind of going through not seeing how fast we can read the bible but what the bible is really saying to us if you like to underline things in your bible underline this and when it was decided that we should sail to italy do you see anything weird here it was paul that was to sail to italy but here in the scripture in acts we find we sail to italy well luke who wrote the book of acts was not a criminal So how was he able to be a prisoner and travel with Paul? Or did he travel on the ship with Paul and the others because us indicates more than just one? So Paul had his followers even when he was in prison. I I, I like that. The Bible says a friend loves at all times. Uh, there's always those fair weather friends that we all have had in our lives when things are well and you have gas in a car in high school. You're everybody's friends. Your dad takes the car away or you wreck it or whatever and you don't have a car anymore. Then nobody calls you anymore because they found another person they can leech off of. Uh, we call them friends. But really, you don't know who your friends are until you get down till you're in trouble. Friend. Proverbs says, Loves at all times. Friend walks in when everybody else walks out. And that's how you know the difference. You may never know how many friends you have until you go through hard times. People say, I got a lot of friends. You don't know that. You won't know how many friends you have until you go through tough stuff. But we find here that Paul had friends, he had fellow believers in Christ. He said, Us, as Luke records this for us. And so, They delivered him into this centurion's name, Julius. He was a good man, as we'll read on here, um, uh, because he actually had great respect for Paul. Now, oftentimes, in these ships that would move prisoners around, they were already generally tried in an area where they were at. Generally, crucifixion was for the criminals, and generally not always for Roman citizens. They had other things to do with Roman citizens when you messed up. Like feed the lions in Rome. Mm Mm-mm, boy, can't you? Bet you can't eat just one. And so they would take prisoners, and they would take them by ship to Rome for final processing and final departure. So this is why they would have these elite groups of soldiers... This regiment that would make sure that the soldiers were to get there. As we've studied this before, that if a Roman soldier was to let go or escape a prisoner that was in his charge, or several in his charge, he then would get the punishment that was due to the person he let go. So if he was a murderer destined to be crucified, he was not a Roman citizen as an example, then he would be crucified. That made sure you didn't let your prisoner go, and you would die keeping that person from escaping because you knew that a far worse death would wait you if you let him escape. Well, verse 2. So entering a ship of Anderninim, we put to sea. Meaning to sail along the coast of Asia, Archistarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. So we find that Paul probably had, from the way it sounds here, probably maybe three, four, five people traveling with him could have been even a little more than that people love paul paul god used in a great way and so they were traveling with him and the next day we landed at sidon now this is in the south part of uh, lebanon today and so it tells you how far they got julius treated paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care Now remember, he had friends all along the route because Paul was very busy in evangelism, and so he had made friends everywhere. And I I think friends, that's a good thing. Have a lot of friends. It's good. Different towns, different places, different people. Have a lot of friends. And so he was able to have, he was like under house arrest, but they knew he wasn't really a threat, and so they gave him this liberty. They didn't do this for all prisoners that were on the ship, only for Paul. And when we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. Um, when winds are contrary, when you're sailing, it requires a lot of jig-jagging back and forth. Uh, the wind actually blows you, wants to blow you backwards, but because you truck on an angle, you can actually go forward in the wind. Then you have to c- cross back and you go like this. Rather than putting your sail up and doing a beeline, when the winds are contrary, it slows you down. Now, the slowing down here is going to create a problem as we read on. And so what would maybe take only a day or two, if the winds are contrary, and if they're bad enough, it can slow you down by weeks if the winds are this bad. So, it says the winds were contrary. Verse 5, And when we sailed over the sea, which is off Sicilia and, and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. Now, this is uh, evidently a a very large ship because as we read on, when they get into uh, some bad seas, they start throwing over grain into the sea. And usually, grain ships were large ships going from Alexandria, Egypt to Italy. And we know that they would grow a lot of wheat down in Egypt. And so this was where they went. They went down, changed ships, and now they're on. And they had their routes very similar to what we have today in our airports. Of course, not the with the precision that we have, but they knew when the ships were supposed to come and when they were supposed to go and about when they were supposed to be there. And so they switched ships there at that particular place in Egypt on their way to Italy, and he put us on it. Verse 7, and when we, and uh, you can't, again, help miss this, how many times we is mentioned here. And and I I think that's significant because I, I believe Luke is conveying to the reader, which would be us, Paul was not alone. First of all, he was never alone because Christ was with him. Second of all, he wasn't alone because he had friends around him. And I want you to know something tonight. If you're going through something tough in your life, you got friends around you. You got the Lord around you first, but second of all, you got friends around you too. Now, there's a certain amount of things friends can do for somebody, and there's, then the rest sometimes is in God's hands. And sometimes you are an answer for somebody else's dilemma in their life. That's just the way it works. Um, you'll be, you know, you may pray God will bring somebody into your life. That's going to be the answer. You're the answer to their prayers. And that's just a wonderful way that God works sometimes. And so notice all the time through here, you'll see this. And when we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off Sindus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Simone. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fairhaven near the city of Licia. Alicia. Now, from what they tell us here, as we look at this, it's anything but really kind of a fair place because it's kind of on the windward side. And it was not a, 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 it was just a stop off point. It was not a place of destination. It was kind of a pit stop. It was your Barstow, California, or your Baker, California, or your Snowville, Utah, or whatever. You know, it's a gas stop. It's where you go to get charged up and keep going. That was the idea. For all of you that are in Barstow tonight, listening by radio, we want to say uh, we love you. Thank you for being there. I've spent a week one day there one time. So notice it says we sail slowly many days. Verse 7 again. Arrived with difficulty. The reason why is this is becoming very late in the year. Probably towards the end of, of September. Uh, the wind is now changing. It's moving from a summer pattern now to a winter, winter pattern. And the wind's coming up, unpredictable, and they didn't have the advent that we do today of at least having some idea what the weather is. They would venture out doing something, and it could end up in a disastrous way. And so it says that they came to a place called Fairhavens near the city of Leisha, Now when much time had been spent, and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them. The fast was already over, that would be about October 5th. So you can see here, we're getting pretty late in the year, and uh, you know, remember several years ago, Gordon Lightfoot wrote a song uh, about uh, the winds of November change early, and the The Ballad of the Edmund Fitzgerald, now at the bottom of the Great Lakes. Well, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, They start off, and that's as recent as in the 70s. So, understanding that, that shipping today is still very treacherous. It's not a a safe... uh, Not a safe... um, Uh, occupation at all. In fact, many of your seaport towns back in New England and around the Great Lakes, they'll have large monuments of the people who have died on the Great Lakes and ships that were sunk. So it is something that still happens today, but primarily it's when it changes from a summer pattern to a winter pattern and that unstableness that comes. And so it's said that they now much time had been spent sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over and Paul advised them in fact it's dangerous from about this time for about another month until you get into november and then after november it is unsalable it's not just dangerous you just don't do it you 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 button the hatches down and you spend 3 months in whatever town uh, you might be in. Now, Fairhaven, again, small town. It was not probably a place that the sailors and everybody wanted to spend winter in. And so we find here that there was a desire to move on from this place. And so Paul advised them, saying, "'Men, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster and much loss, not only to the cargo and the ship, but also our lives.'" Nevertheless, the centurion, Julius, was more persuaded by the helmsman, the owner of the ship, than the things spoken by Paul. I mean, after all, Paul, you are a prisoner here. And this guy, who's a trained sailor, who owns the ship, says it's okay to go on. Who are you going to listen to? Why would they listen to Paul anyway? Well, I think this is important, because as we look at this, Paul... I think, gives his advice. We find in Corinthians that he gives his credentials of being a minister. And it wasn't the diplomas that he had hanging on the wall from the different seminaries and and schools in the Sanhedrin that he had graduated from. It was all the things that he went through to continue to be a minister, The Bible says he was shipwrecked day and night in the deep. In fact, the Bible tells us there that he was shipwrecked three times. So he understood what shipwrecks were all about. And he also knew kind of like weather patterns and things. But he also knew the hearts of men and their desire for money and greed. That they'll take risks and chances that normally you'd never take. And so he advised them in saying, I don't think we ought to go. I think we ought to stay right here. But the ship's captain who owned the boat says, I don't know. Well, here's something. There's a lot of discussion on this verse. Because was Paul being divinely inspired to tell the captain or, or to tell the centurion to stay there, or was that based upon experience in being shipwrecked for three uh, times? And being an experienced traveler, some estimate as many as 3,500 miles Paul had traveled on the sea. That's a lot of miles to log down. And so because of that, was he inspired? uh, An unction, a word of knowledge, telling telling the centurion Julius, let's not go? Or was it out of experience? Friends, a lot of times I don't know. But I know this, that God will use you however
1: he'll use you. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening.